our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. church. We got to have a little church up in here this morning. It was great, great worship time today and being in here and being together. So excited about what God's doing in this place. I love this time of year too, right? You know, it's kind of school starting back, some new schedules and all that's happening, but fall is in the air. It's getting a little cooler. You can smell football coming. So this is just kind of a great time of year, a great time for us just to be in church and worship and setting our goals and setting our priorities and investing in the things that matter. Hey, a few years ago, we took our kids and we went for fall break. We went to Gatlinburg. So we love Gatlinburg. I love living here in Tennessee. It's just so beautiful. And so we were there. We are having a great time doing go-karts and pancake houses and getting some fudge and airbrush t-shirts and old-timey photos and all that, right? And go with Gatlinburg. And we're having a great time. And one day we decided, hey, we're going to go and we're going to do a picnic at the chimneys. Now, if you've been to Gatlinburg, you know just how beautiful it is. And uh, so we went out there and we had this picnic lunch. And I'm looking at this river and it's just beautiful. And the girls and I were climbing our rocks and we're having a great time. And Lisa's getting picnic ready. And we come over, we have picnic. And I noticed down the river that a big tree had fallen years ago. And it was kind of almost all the way across the river. And all the leaves were off of it, right? It was just down to limbs, but the water had been running you know, around it and under it. And I thought, hey, what if we just go across this tree? We can get to the other side. You know, this side's great, but this side's got picnic tables and people all over here. And we can walk across this dead tree and we can get over there. And so I said to the girl, hey, let's do it. Let's go. And then my kids were probably about, you know, this was four or five years ago, so 10 eight and five at the time, and Lisa's looking at me like, do you really think this is a good idea? And I'm like, sure, you know, like, come on, we can do it. So here we go. And so we're starting to cross. Grace, my oldest, was in front. Kate jumps on my back. You know, she's five at the time, so she's on my back. And then Mabry's in the back. And so we're going across, holding on, and we're going, inching our way across. It's only about three or four feet off the water, and the water's kind of running. And we get to the end of the tree, and there's still about three or four feet to the bank, right? And so we get there, and I'm like, Grace, jump, you know? And so Grace just jumps, and she makes it, which is a good thing, right? You know, because that's not a good thing for dad, right? But so she makes it, and so it's good. So then I jump, and I've got Kate. I make it, and I get over. I put Kate down. I look back, and I'm like, Mabry, come on. And Mabry's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, Mabry, you know? And she's holding on to this, like, dead limb right here. And she's, like, looking at me, and I'm like, Mabry, come on, you know? And she's like, yeah, eight years old. She's like, nope. <laughs> and so I'm here and I'm setting Kate down and I can only reach so far. I mean, I, I can, I'm like, you know, just take my hand, but I can go only across the river. And she's standing up here on this tree looking at me and I'm like, you got to let go. You, you got to let go, right? And just let go and jump. I promise you'll make it, you know? And she's like, yeah. and I'm like, babe, you can trust me. I will catch you. 
I'm right here. And it was amazing watching that thought process in her mind. Like, do I let go of this? This is safe, right? I'm standing here holding on to this dead branch, but I'm safe standing here. Or I could just jump and I think he'll catch me, right? <laughs> you know, I don't know for sure, but I've got to make a decision. And so we stood there probably two or three minutes, right? And we're in this decision mode. And we're over there. And Grace and Kate are saying, come on, Mabry, you know. And Mabry's standing there. And finally, you could watch it. There was this moment. You just watch it in her mind where all of a sudden she's like, okay, I'm going to go for it. And she lets go. And she takes about one step. And she just launches. And she's, you know, our little gymnast. She's into everything. But she's just like full born, right? And she spread. And she comes, man. She just goes in my arms, I catch her, and I spin her around and put her down, and we grab hands, and we're all walking now on the other side, and she's smiling, beaming, and we saw a bear that day, and it's cub, it's a long way away, don't worry, you know, so we're like, hey, don't tell mom yet, okay, wait, you know, but it was way over there, but it was just spectacular, just going on this other side, but you watch that moment for her, like, am I going to do this? So we're in this great series here at Rolling Hills, we're in this great series on prayer, and I got to tell you, I'm so glad you're here today because I believe God has a word for us in this. And, and prayer is something that's innate in us. I mean, you look back through history, right? Every civilization that's ever existed has had some form of worship and prayer. I mean, you go back to the Greeks and the mythological gods. You can think about the Egyptians and the praying to the sun god or the moon god or the god of the stars. You know, it, it, they had gods in everything and every animals. I mean, you can think even today, every major world religion has had some form of prayer, right? There's something about it. And we're, we're religious today, multiple times a day, that you, you stop and you pray and you say a ritual prayer or, or whatever you do in those times. And, and so you see that even atheists inside of us who are people, you know, inside of us there's this call for something bigger. And even atheists, people who don't even believe in God, that inside of them there's this, hey, wait a minute, I'm in a foxhole, I'm in trouble, or I'm in an operating room, I'm in trouble. I need help, I need hope. And so there's something inside of us that calls out. The question really isn't, are we going to pray? The question is this today, who are you praying to? Who are you praying to? Because everybody prays, right, in some form or some fashion, but who are you praying to? Here's what A.W. Tozer says, and this is so good. He says, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that for a minute, right? What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Isn't that true? Because if you think that God is, man, God's just out to punish me. You know, God's out to get me. I mean, I mess up. And you're going to live a life of fear. You're going to live a life like I'm walking on pins and needles because, man, I don't want to make God mad because, boy, he is after me. If you think God is unpleasable, then you're going to work and work and work and work and work and just try to maybe get his attention. Maybe you can please him. If you think that God, you know, has this Rolodex in his mind of all the bad things you've done in your life, then boy, you're going to live with worry and fear and anxiety because that's who you have in mind for God. But what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. It determines how you live. Here's the thing, here's the thing. Right, it is all about Christianity. I mean, God makes us better. <laughs> Having a relationship with God through Christ makes your life better, not just in heaven, not just in eternity. That is to come, and oh, that's going to be fantastic. That's going to be awesome. I mean, Gallenberg, beautiful, right? I mean, Smoky Mountains, but just imagine what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be 
incredible. I mean, I can't even get my mind around how awesome it's going to be. But right now, in the peace, in the purpose, in the hope, and the joy that God wants you to live with every single day, that comes in Him. But boy, if you think God's mad at you, you're not going to live that way. But if you think God is trustworthy, and you think God is full of grace, and you think God is with you, and you think God is for you, boy, you're just going to release and say, let's go. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to trust. I'm going to be the man or the woman that God created me to be because he is with me and he is for me. If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you up with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11. And uh, we're seeing some of the very words of Jesus today just come to life. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back. I'd love for you to grab one. Uh, as we unpack God's Word today. We'll put the scripture on the screen if you have a Bible, but also if you have a mobile device, you can access God's Word at version and follow along with us here today. And pick up here in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Last week we were looking at the purpose of prayer, and this week we're talking about the passion of prayer, the passion of prayer. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now I gotta stop right there for a second because there, there's some things that we just pick up from this first line that I think that are really, really important. And the first one is this, is Jesus was passionate about prayer. It was a priority for him. Okay, and you may be thinking, wow, okay, that's the course, right? That's okay, I get that. But, but think about this. Jesus prayed. One day Jesus was praying. Now theologically, think about it from this angle. Jesus is fully God, right? The divinity of Christ the divinity and the humanity of Christ. And yet Jesus made it a priority to pray. All four of the Gospels have Jesus praying. It was a priority for him to connect to the Father. He modeled that for us. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, we should pray. It should be a passion for us. It should be a priority for us. And notice it says that Jesus prayed in a certain place. Jesus prayed in a certain place place. Now, I want to tell you, the Sea of Galilee is beautiful, and Jesus was doing most of his earthly ministry there. We do a biblical study tour to Israel every two years. We'll go again in October of 19, so if you want to go, but you'll, you'll see the, the Sea of Galilee, and you'll go, well, no wonder Jesus did ministry up here. I mean, it's beautiful, right? It's like this lake. It's gorgeous, but I think Jesus had this rock that he would go to, and he just went there because the disciples, whenever they would look for him, they'd go, oh, well, Jesus is probably there. He's probably there praying. And I think in your life, in my life, we need a certain place. Call it your prayer closet. I don't know, whatever you want to say, but a place where you pray. Uh, for me, I have a place at home. Man, this is my little place. I go, and that's my place, and I just meet with the Lord. I pray. I have a place in my office. Man, that's it. Now, I, I love being outdoors. Probably like many of you, you just feel connected to God outdoors, right, in his creation. And, and so many times if we're on vacation or something, I'll find a rock. I'll find a place, and it's like... I gotta go there. And in my mind, it's just that certain place. And so I wanna encourage you, if you don't have a place yet, you don't have a prayer closet yet, you don't have a place, find a place at home, at your office, somewhere, you know, when you go out hiking, but make that your place and you go there. Jesus prayed in a certain place. And then I want you to see this. Jesus prayed in the morning. Now, it doesn't tell us this right here, but we know in Mark 135, here's what it says. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Hey, you talk about a priority? 
very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. This connection with God. And I want to just challenge you and just encourage you, carve out some time in the mornings. I know some of you, you're not morning people, right? You're night owls, and you're like, man, I got to have that time at night. And I get that. I mean, we pray at night. I pray over my kids at night. I pray with my spouse at night. But, but there's something about the mornings, right? Sometimes what can happen at night, for me at least, maybe not for you, but, but sometimes if it's just my personal prayer time, and then I'll kind of get pretty tired, and I'll kneel down, like, Dear God, you know, and then I kind of start to lay down. <laughs> and I was like, God, I thank you for my family. Seven hours later, amen. You know, it's like, there you go, you know. And so, so I always say in my life, right, before I have physical nourishment, I want spiritual nourishment. So when I wake up in the mornings, man, just to carve out, carve out some time, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes or something, where you're just saying, God, I want you in my heart and my life in the morning. I want to start this day off with you. So Jesus is there and he's praying and look what happens, right? It says, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, so here's Jesus. He gets up early, going off to a certain place. The disciples wake up and go, where is he? He's gone again. You know, let's go find him. They all head over and they're watching him pray. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. There was something different about the way Jesus prayed. There's something different. And we talked last week about how the Jews, I mean, these disciples would have grown up praying. They would have had these ritual prayers that they said three times a day. But when they listened to Jesus pray, there was something different. There was a connection. Do you have people like that in your life? <laughs> Maybe your grandmother, you know. Man, when she prayed, you're like, Wow. I mean, God hears her, okay? I got something going on. I got to call grandma because God's going to hear her. I mean, the way that she prays, man, what if we're people like that and just have that kind of passion? But when he finished, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And that's my prayer for us today. Lord, teach us to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and what follows is the Lord's Prayer, right? And that's what we're talking through this series, and we're going through this, this series. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. But today, I just want to concentrate on one word. One word. When they said, Lord, teach us to pray, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Father. Jesus taught us to pray, Father. Now, if you're taking notes, man, write that down, star it, something else, because I got to tell you, this is so important. Jesus teaching us to call God Father was radical. I mean, it was radical. It would have been radical for them, for the Jews. I mean, you know, you kind of look back at the Old Testament, and, and they're kind of going, we're going to keep God over here. He's God. We're not and even though God reveals his personal name, if you go back to Exodus chapter 3, right? I am who I am, Yahweh. They said, whoa, that's way too personal. That's way too personal. In fact, we're not even going to write out all of Yahweh. We're just going to take the vowels out because we don't want to mess it up and, and somehow write the wrong things. We're just going to put Y-H-W-H because he is God and we're not, you know. And Jesus comes along and says, well, you can call God 
Father. Personal. And this is what I believe, I believe, separates Christianity from every major world religion. I really do. Because most more major world religions, God is unknowable. Right? A supreme being up there somehow, some way, or, or, or God is unpleasable. Right? It doesn't matter what you do. I mean, God's not going to be happy with you. And, and, and so, man, I've got to keep these rituals. I've got to do this. And, and somehow, but then all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and says, when you pray, you say, Father. Father. Now, some of you may struggle with this. Some of you may struggle with this because you just didn't have a good earthly father. And so when you hear Jesus say, you call God Father, you're like, man, that's tough. Because my father was not what I want God to be like, right? My father wasn't there for me. My father wasn't the kind of dad that I'd want to be. And I struggle with that. I struggle with that. But here's what I want to challenge you, challenge you this. Don't project your feelings for your earthly father onto God. He is the true father. And what we do many times is we look at our earthly fathers and then try to look at God instead of looking at God as the perfect father, right? The original, it's like looking at an original painting versus looking at a copy. I'm gonna look at the original. I'm gonna say, God, this is what a father should be. This is what a father is. Now, what does a father do? What does a father do? Well, a father does three things. A father provides all the dads in this room, man, we, we feel the weight of that, don't we? We, we feel the weight of that. I mean, we want to provide for our family. We want to take good care of our family. We love our family, so we want to provide food and clothing. And we're, we're not workaholics on purpose, man. We just want to be able to do a good job so that we can take care and provide and make sure our family has good things. A father does this. A father protects. You know, it's one thing if somebody says something about me, but man, when they say something about my kids, all of a sudden, well, that's a whole different level, right? There's not a dad in this room that wouldn't fight for their kids. I want to tell you. I mean, all of a sudden, man, that's a different level. That's my kids. And a father, a father prepares. A father prepares. You know, as dads, we get this. We feel this sense of, hey, I want my kids to be great kids, but I want them to be great adults. I want them to learn things now. I want them to do great things. You know, I want them to really thrive. I want them to be all God wants them to be. I want them to be successful. I want them to be better than me. I want to prepare them for that. I want to teach them everything I can right now for that. Now think about that with God for you. You have a heavenly father who is the perfect father. You have a heavenly father who provides for you. He knows your needs. He knows your needs before you even ask. He's already a step ahead of you. He knows. And so maybe you're here today and you're, you're carrying this weight. You're carrying this anxiety. You're carrying this fear, this worry. Hey, God's got it. Hold on. Trust him. You, you got a father who protects. You got a father who protects. And you can trust him. And you got a father who's preparing you. You know, God is preparing you for what God is preparing for you. And in your life, sometimes we go through challenges and we're just like, God, get me out of this. And God's going, hold on, hold on, I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you. And maybe you're in that season right now and God's going, I haven't forgotten about you. Don't, don't worry, I haven't forgotten about you. I'm teaching, I'm preparing you, I'm molding you. I got your best interest in mind. I love you. That's a father, a perfect father, a perfect father. 
Now we know that the Lord's Prayer is in Luke. We also know it's in Matthew, right? Matthew chapter six. And that was the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus began his earthly ministry and he taught the Sermon on the Mount there, Matthew five through seven. And he taught about prayer early on. This is later on. But when he taught early on, he said, when you pray, pray our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. And Jesus is making it clear that there is one true God in heaven. He said, guys, you don't pray to the sun, you don't pray to the moon, you don't pray to the stars, you're not pantheism like God's in all the trees. You're praying to the creator of all. <laughs> you're praying to the one who is sovereign over all. And he's making it clear, too, that, that he's not like us. We we're made in the image of God, but he's not like us. He is transcendent. He is higher and he is greater. And isn't that good news? Because <laughs> we are so limited <laughs> and we can't control the things that are happening around us. We don't know. We can't control if, man, a recession comes or if something happens to my job. We can't control what's happening in the world. But, but, but God's higher and greater. And my faith and my trust is in him. And God's got this. But he's also telling us with Father, he's, he's saying God's with us and for us. And he's making it personal. God's with you. God is for you. You can trust him. So if we truly believe God is Father, we truly believe that he is perfect. Doesn't that impact the way we pray? Wouldn't it impact the passion that we have in prayer? Wouldn't it impact the priority that we have in prayer? So, so what keeps us then from praying? What keeps us then? I think there's a few things if you're taking notes. Number one is busyness. Busyness. Anybody else struggle with this one? <laughs> right? Busyness, right? I mean, we're like, oh, I'm so busy. Like you talk to somebody, you say, how are you doing? And they say, well, I'm busy. Like that's a badge of honor or something, you know, like, I'm busy. But the real thing is, are you busy doing the right things? Are, are you busy being productive? Are you busy making a difference? Are you busy investing in the things that are really going to last and things that are really going to matter? Now, I tell you, I love this time of year because it's kind of a restart, a reset. School's starting. It's kind of the new church year. It's an opportunity for us to kind of say, hey, this is where I want to invest my time. And if I'm going to invest my time, I want to invest my time in the things of God. I want to, I want to pray. I want to invest my time in, in being in a small group or a community group. I want to be surrounded by people. But, but really, we have busy, but it's really a time issue. It's a time issue. Because we're going to make time for the things that we're passionate about, right? We'll make time for the Titans. We'll make time for Netflix. We'll make time, you know, for the things that we really get passionate about it. And if we are going to say, hey, I want to grow deeper in my relationship with God. I want to know him. I want to fall more in love with him. I want my life to be all that God desires. And we're all of a sudden, we're going to come along and we're going to say, hey, I can be busy, but I want to be busy doing the right things. Here's a second one, excuses. <laughs> excuses, right? I mean, we're all busy. This is not an issue of am I busy or am I not busy. It really comes down to, hey, what am I going to be about and I can make excuses. I can say, hey, later on in my life, right, when I get to retirement age, then I'm going to have plenty of time. You know, when I retire, when I'm old, I'm in a rocking chair, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just looking out, you know, or I'm in a bathtub with my wife in another bathtub. Remember that commercial? It's like the weirdest thing ever. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, who does that? I mean, what in the world, right? But then I'm going to have time, right? But in this season, this season, I can't. I can't. I can't. I mean, I just can't. Now, 
I tell you, we're really good at rolling hills about having babies. You guys are amazing at having babies. So <laughs> fantastic job. Way to go. And I know, man, I remember that season. It was just crazy. And you're in the throes of that. So way to make it a church. Good job. But you know what? Whatever season you're in, you have to come along and start to carve out time. You have to kind of capture those moments. And you have to say, what? I'm going to make this a priority in this season. And maybe for you, man, it's like, hey, I'm folding clothes. Man, this is going to be my time. I'm going to carve it out. Maybe for you, it's driving to work. you got a 45-minute commute. Hey, what, is, what am I putting in my mind? What am I listening to? What am I thinking about? Maybe I can use that time to pray. Whatever season you're in, and it changes, right? It changes. And those blocks of time change in that season. But you come along and just say, hey, I'm going to capture this. Because I want to grow deeper and I want to grow stronger. I want this to be a priority. I want to have that passion. I want to pray. Here's the third one. I think it's distractions. It's distractions. Have you ever said, okay, that's it. I'm going, I've got a place. I'm going to go, I'm going to pray. I got my Bible. I got a little journal. I'm going to take some notes. And you sit down and what happens? Immediately you go, oh, wait, wait, wait. I haven't done this. I got to do this. And this thoughts start coming to mind. I got to get up. And so you go and you make a note of this. Then you're like, okay, I'm back at it, right? Right here, right now. And you get your stuff and you sit down and then your phone goes off. You're like, I'm not going to look at it. Not going to do it, you know, ding. And then you start thinking, what if it's important? And what if it's a big deal? What, what, what if it happens? And so then you kind of flip it over real slow. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got to deal with that, right? And so then you start going there. And then next thing you know, you're on Instagram and you're sliding up, right? <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know. But the thing is, right, there's distractions that come along. There's things that are going to happen. And we have to say, hey, I got to push past that. Right? I got to push past that bright, shiny object. You know, that squirrel. You know, I, I got to, yeah, I can't do that because it really becomes a focus issue. It becomes a focus. How am I going to focus in? I'm going to draw my mind. I'm going to draw my heart. I'm going to take deep breaths. I'm going to kind of block everything out. I want to give you permission. It's okay to leave your phone in the other room. I know we may have a draws. I may, I may, I do. <laughs> Start shaking a little bit. But it's okay. Just leave it. It did come in and just say, hey, I just want to, I just want to focus. Here's the fourth one. It's this enemy. And we don't think about it often. But guys, we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And we've got an enemy who doesn't want you to succeed. The Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal our relationships, to steal our joy in life, right? To kill that relationship with God. Hey, you know what? We got an enemy. And why is it that Sunday morning is the hardest time? All right, Sunday morning, it's like, Where's your shoe? Get your shoe. You know, get in the car. Let's go. We're going to be late. You know, it all happens. Why? Because we got an enemy. He doesn't want you to come with your heart prepared to worship. He doesn't want you to come to meet the Lord because he knows this is your lifeline. This is how you grow stronger. This is how you have confidence. And so the enemy strikes. And every time you start to pray, I'm just going to kind of warn you, man. I mean, it's going to come. The enemy is going to bring distractions. All of a sudden you go, ah, oh, I got a meeting request at the exact same time. I was getting up early, and they, oh, all the meeting requests right here. It, all these things. And anytime there's a battle, anytime there's a war, if you go back and look through history, you know what the army does? The first thing they think about is, hey, go take out the opposing army's communications. If I can take out their communication tower, if I can take out that they can't communicate with the Air Force, hey, I've got them isolated. I've got them isolated. 
And so Satan comes along and says, hey, if I can keep them from praying, if I can keep them from focusing, I'll get them isolated. They'll turn in on themselves. They'll think it's all about them. And they're going to be far from the Father. So the distractions are going to come. It's a battle issue. It really is. It's a battle issue. But here's number five. Number five is this lack of awe. And I think this is really what it boils down to. We forget that the God of the universe, think about that, the God of the universe, the one who is sovereign over all, the one who created everything in this world, the one who knit us together in our mother's womb, wants to meet with us. That just kind of gives me chills, I gotta tell you. That God wants to meet with us. That God wants to spend time with us. See, it comes back to what you believe about God. Does he really? Oh, yeah. And it comes down to it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. You know, if I were to tell you, hey, the governor wants to have you over for dinner. He wants you to come next week, next Thursday, 7 o'clock p.m. He wants you to come. He wants to just talk to you, see how things are going, just hear from you. You know, you'd be like, yeah, I'm in. I mean, I'm going to the governor's mansion. Are you kidding? It's going to be great. I mean, you're going to show up. It's going to be 7. You're going to be early. You're going to be there. You're like, oh, yeah. We got someone greater. (laughs) We got someone higher who says, hey, I want to meet with you. I want to walk with you. I want to take you on adventures that you can't even dream or even imagine. Come on with me. See, here's the thing about prayer. The goal of prayer is to grow in our relationship with God. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And that's what God's inviting us into, to know him and to trust him. Prayer is not a ritual but a relationship. Some of you grew up where prayer was a ritual. You grew up repeating the same prayers and maybe still today, man, it's right before you know, a meal and I gotta repeat this or right before bed, I gotta repeat this and, and that's okay. But what that was doing was to prepare you for the relationship. It was to prepare you for the relationship. If I were to go to my wife, Lisa, and we've been married 17 years now and if I were to go, hey, you know what? Uh, remember back in premarital counseling, the counselor told me that I'm supposed to tell you this. And so this morning, I got to tell you, you're beautiful and I love you. Okay, I've done it. Check. Thanks. Have a great day. You know, how would that go over? Frying pan upside the head. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, that would not be good. I mean, that would not, that's not what she wants. When we were in premarital counseling, it was saying, hey, this is a relationship and it takes work. This marriage is going to take work and it takes time, but you're going to grow more in love And it can be deeper and richer. It can be awesome. In your first year of marriage, it may be hard, but I want to tell you, it can be fantastic. If you keep growing there, man, your relationship with the Lord gets better and better and better. And here's the thing, here's the thing, right? Through Christ, we are blessed with the priesthood of the believer. This is a doctrinal statement, but, but here's the thing. Some of you grew up going to a church, and you thought to pray, I have to go through a priest. Or to confess my sins, I have to go to a priest. And and what Jesus comes along and he says is this. When you pray, say, Father. (laughs) And that's fine to go to a priest and talk to them. But but listen, you have direct communication with God. In Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul takes it to a, a different level. He says this. You call out Father Abba. And Abba literally means Daddy. I can call out to the God of the universe and say, Daddy, Daddy. You know, uh, my girls are grown up. 
And uh, it's just crazy watching them grow up. They grow up so fast, don't they? I tell you, wherever you are in life, enjoy that moment. Don't fast forward it. <laughs> hey, we talk about the student ministry or family ministry here at Rolling Hills. It's, it's just a phase. Don't miss it, but it's so true. You know, people will say, hey, retirement's the golden years. Uh, everybody you talk to in retirement says, hey, you're living the golden years. You hold on to it. You enjoy it. And I know it's hard, and I know it's busy, and I know it's crazy, but you embrace it. My, my girls, man, I've got one who just started high school. I'm like, how did that happen? So Grace is a freshman at Centennial, and Mabry is in middle school now at Page Middle, and, and Kate is in elementary and fourth grade at Clovercroft. So we're in three different schools. I don't know how we're going to do it this year, you know, like getting them everywhere and going to everything. But, but I tell you, it's just, if you just are, this is awesome. I got to embrace this. And there are a lot of people in the world that could call me a lot of different things. There's people who can call me pastors, people who can call me friends, there's a lot of people who can call me different titles, but there's only three people in this world who could call me father. There's only three people in this world who could call me daddy. And I want to tell you, I love those girls. And life is so busy, we have to schedule times to be together, you know, we go through our calendar every week, and we look, and we go, okay, dinner tonight, you know, we're going to have a certain place, we're going to schedule it, because it's important, and we want to commune with each other, but those girls have my heart, and if they're in trouble at any time, it doesn't matter if I'm in a meeting, it doesn't matter where I am, you know what, they could come into my office, they can interrupt me anytime, because I'm their daddy, and the same thing is true with God, when you know him as father, Man, you want to schedule time, you want to be with him, but any time you can call out, Abba, Father, Daddy, help, and he is there. He is there. So the question is, do you, do you know God as Father? Do you know God as Father? Not, hey, there's a God who's just wanting to judge me, there's a God who's mad at me, there's a God who's angry with me, but, but do you know him as a God who truly loves you? who truly cares about you. The only way you know God is Father is a relationship with God only comes through Jesus. And I have to tell you today, I'm so glad you're in church. But being in church doesn't make you a Christian. The only way you know God is Father is when you have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, his son. When there comes a time in your life where you recognize your own sin, your total depravity, your need of God's grace and God's mercy, and you fall on your knees at some point, anywhere, and you just say, God, I want you to come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, you took my place. It was the price that I should have paid. But Jesus, you stepped in. Substitutionary atonement. You died for me. And Jesus, I want you in my heart and my life. I want that kind of relationship with God as Father. A lot of people pray, but are you praying to one true God? Do you know Him as Father? And when you know Him, it changes everything. Oswald Chambers says this prayer is the vital breath of the Christian, not the thing that makes Him alive. That's Jesus, that's a relationship with Him. But the evidence that he is alive. It's the evidence that you're alive. It's the evidence of the joy and the peace and the hope and the purpose that comes. And all of us, if we're honest, we have, prayer's a struggle for us. There's a tension in there. But as we begin to learn, as we begin to grow, there's a depth and a richness that comes in our life. And that day with my girls in Gatlinburg and watching Mabry stand there and to hold on to that old dead tree 
And she had a decision to make, am I going to hold on to the past? Am I going to hold on to the guilt? Am I going to hold on to the things that I think are safe? Or am I going to just jump and trust? Am I going to jump into the arms of my father, knowing that he can catch me, knowing that he can take care of me, and knowing that there's an adventure ahead? And I want to invite you today to do that. I want to invite you today to take the hand of a God who says, call me father and walk through life with me. Because there's things I want to show you. There's ways I want to use you. There's things I want to do in your life. You can't even begin to dream or imagine yet. But follow me and trust me and learn to pray in a deep way that you connect to my heart. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute. Right where you are today. I don't know what's been going on in your heart or in your life. I don't know what's going on in your marriage. I don't know what's going on with your kids. I don't know what's going on with your finances. But this morning, I want to point you to the one who does know and who cares and who loves. And maybe this morning, you just say, I don't know God as Father. I feel like I pray and my prayers just hit the ceiling. I, I want a relationship with God. And right where you sit, you say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me my sins. You took my place. You died for me. And I want to have that relationship. Maybe for you, you know, your prayer life has become ritual. And today God's moving you into relationship. Or maybe for you, as you just kind of set your calendar and set your priorities, you just say, hey, today I'm putting a stake in the ground. And I just want to say today, God, you're my priority. I want to grow in my relationship with you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my marriage. I want you to be the Lord of my family. I want you to be my father, my Abba, my daddy. So Father, here we are, your disciples today. And Lord, we come and just say, teach us to pray. Teach us to be prayer warriors. Teach us to be passionate. Teach us to know you and to love you and to walk with you all of our days. Father, this life on earth is so fast. So let us prioritize the things that matter and let us fall more in love with you and experience your grace. Thank you for the privilege to call you Father. I mean, wow. I mean, the God of the universe who is sovereign over all, that you invite us, that you love us. And so, Father, we put our faith and our trust in you today. We take your hand and we go forward in confidence because if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? My daddy's got this. We love you. And we dedicate today, we dedicate our lives to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen.